Welcome to Nerds the Roundtable, a podcast on the quest for quality pop culture. I'm Jamie. I'm Dwayne. And I'm Sammy. And on this episode, it's Father's Day. And who do you think of when you think of great dads? Got mentors, uh, you know, heartwarming, you know, mentors. Uh, who, who, do you, who do you think of, Dwayne? Uh, well, Jamie, I, I think of Yondu. <laughs> um, I think of Yondu. Um, in, uh, is it because in, of the accent? It's it's because of the accent. It's just the red <laughs> fin. What it is is just the red fin on the head reminds me so much of my dad. And when he whistles, oh, okay. an arrow, yeah, a, 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 a space arrow would come out of nowhere <laughs> and, and attack you when you were doing no good. So yeah, Yondu reminds me of, of Father's Day. So on this episode, we are <laughs> go ahead, Sam. I, I was going to say he reminds me of mine because where Yondu had Peter squeeze into small places, that that's what I did for my dad a lot. <laughs> I can't get that son. Get in there and get it. <laughs> yeah, there's a leak under the house. Boy, get under there. <laughs> uh, my, my family, I had younger siblings for that. So oh, there you go. <laughs> I never had to do that. That's good. That's good for good for you. <laughs> yeah, Jamie. it was nice. It was nice. Yeah, uh, for the few benefits of being older. We're going to be reviewing 2017's Marvel Cinematic Universe foray into Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Two. That's right. Because we do sequels, not first movies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we don't respect order at all. <laughs> well, think about it. We did Aliens for Mother's Day, so of course we'd have to do the sequel for Father's Day also, right? Part two. At least we're consistent in our craziness. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. <laughs> all right. Um, but before we get into Guardians, um, it's time to keep it 100. <laughs> It's time to keep it 100. 100. 100. 100. All right. Sam, you're first out of the gate. What's All your point? Right. All right. So I am starting my timer now. My keeping it 100 for this week is a little bit more family friendly than I've been keeping it. And I am pitching DuckTales. This re-envisioning of this classic cartoon is so good. Um, you know, it debuted in 2017. It's in its third season right now. But the two first two complete seasons are streaming on Disney+. And that's where I got, kind of start back watching the thing. Uh, it's actually really smartly written. It works great for both adults and kids. Um the, the, the kids, Huey, Dewey, and Louie, are so much more realistic in their characterizations, especially uh, with kind of today's generation. Um, in a stroke of casting genius, David Tennant is Scrooge McDuck. Oh, and if, if that doesn't get the Whovians out there, Catherine Tate is the voice of Magica Dispel. So it kind of brings the two back. It's great. This is a great show for the entire family. So if you've not got a chance to watch it, check out DuckTales. And that's my Keeping It 100. Awesome. My children have been into that as well and enjoying that on the on the good old Disney Plus. Oh, I've laughed so, so hard. It's, it's I'm fun. A it's a lot of fun. I've cracked up. <laughs> yeah, I've not I've not sat down and, and truly watched it with them, but what I've caught has been pretty fun. Yeah, what I've it's caught. really quick witted. 
more than you would think. So I've, I've enjoyed it. So, well, all right. Well, I'm next up on the keeping it 100. So I'm going to go ahead and start my timer now. Well, last week I talked about Marvel's secret wars. I still haven't had a chance to read it. So I'm going on brand. Okay. With a music documentary, of course, what would grab my attention away from a, from a comic book or anything else, but a music documentary, um, on Netflix, the show must go on, which we all know is a great queen song, but the show must go on. This is the story of queen and Adam Lambert. After Freddie Mercury tragically passed away in the early nineties, they had the live aid concert where they had all of these singers and it took what 30 singers to cover Freddie's range over the history of the band Queen. Well, this guy comes out on American Idol, you know, just this flamboyant killer singer, just tuck the cake, won the season. And what did he get to do? He got to join the greatest rock band in the world, Queen. And this is that story. It is rated TVMA because they do get into a little bit of Freddie's lifestyle and Adam Lambert's lifestyle is a little bit similar. So just be mindful of that. But it is a great story, a great insight into the band on how they carried on and what they really envisioned the band being as they carry on. They don't want to recreate Freddie, but they want to give the fans their new vision of the music and how they mm. keep creating. And it's it's a ton of fun. So that's my keeping it 100. The show must go on. Cool. All right. He's, he's still not Freddie Mercury. He's still not. No, no. And <laughs> no, one, no one will be Freddie Mercury. And that's, and that's a great thing that, that they explain and that they talk about. And, and he addresses in this documentary. Um, you know, they spent some time with Paul Rogers, uh, you know, of Bad Company and Free Fame. I mean, how great a singer is he? He couldn't fill Freddie Mercury's shoes. You know, he was a great asset to the band. A little bit different, but this guy, uh, Adam Lambert, I mean, he really has the flamboyance. He has the showmanship. And, you know, he's a young guy. He's not coming with the ego. He's saying, I'm here to give the fans these songs the way I can do them. And you get, you know, Roger and Brian of Queen. You know, John Deacon uh, quit when Freddie died. He just couldn't carry on with music. They addressed that in the movie. Mm. Um, so it's it's a really beautiful insight into where Queen are today. Uh, um, to follow on that, I'll just say just a second. I know we've we try to watch our time, but uh, Dwayne, have you heard of the band The Struts? Yes. He strikes me as a young Freddie Mercury. He's got quite a range. Well, I know uh, he, the, he's been bandied about as as a, as a new kind of Freddie Mercury type, and so has the singer for uh, the band Fun. Okay. Uh, they had the, the, the song them. "Some Nights," and they have they have a lot of harmony, uh, kind of Bohemian city yeah. You know, they have a lot of a lot of strong harmonies, and he's got that real strong voice. Uh, so that that's two Freddie Mercury esque singers that that are really really great today. Cool. All right. Uh, sorry, guys. I didn't mean to eat the time there. Um, <laughs> <laughs> he brought up Queen. What do you want from me? Right, uh, here we go. Okay, my key thing we'll have this week is The Image Revolution. And this is a comic book documentary that Sammy pitched to me. Um, and this thing is right in my wheelhouse. I mean, <laughs> 90s comics. I mean, I think I was, 
2013 when Image was formed. And so everything being extreme and over the top, you know, fueled by Mandu. I mean, it was all just perfect for me. Um, but this, the, the document, I mean, the documentary, it was a documenting an important era of comic books. There was a mm-hmm. lot happening then. The industry was changing a lot and it, it captures a lot of, I wish they had dug in more into like the, uh, uh, Marvel's philosophy on what to what to focus on, whether they were trying to hype their artists or the writers. I think they've switched completely to writers now. I don't even I don't even advertise very much strong anything. Um, so I, I, would, I, would like, I would have liked a little more of that, um, but it's a great doc. It's it's highly entertaining just to watch McFarlane and Liefeld talk. <laughs> just, those guys are big personalities, and it's almost worth your hour in I think twelve minutes just for Liefeld's continued ever present uh impression of todd mcfarland <laughs> <laughs> it's so funny but uh it's just a it's just a a really fun documentary about a fun era in comics and all the issue covers that went across the screen <laughs> I, I had them all sam sold them from me years ago so, <laughs> <laughs> and he still has them i'm sure <laughs> yeah and that is the image revolution by keeping it 100 okay very nice. That was a really good documentary. Um, you know, so you've had Rob Servations and now Image Revolution. <laughs> so we're totally getting a feel for Jamie's comic history. <laughs> he was he was my first like creator I took note of. Right. He was the first cool. one I actually went and checked the credits page. Like, who's doing this thing? You know? Yeah. Uh, Sweet. Yeah, but that impression he does of McFarland is both like <laughs> hilarious because he's mocking him but it's pretty spot on too I'm like yeah if i was mcfarland yeah. it'd make me mad <laughs> yeah mcfarland tends to be a much more serious uh a person i think <laughs> even and a in grudge holder yeah even in interviews uh very much so it comes across yeah <laughs> nice. all right but that's enough uh keeping it 100 let's move on uh to guardians guardians 2 uh <laughs> our father's day pick <laughs> we're such stinkers um, <laughs> alright time for opening opening thoughts and grades uh, Dwayne you get the privilege of going first what do you got bro alright well um, this movie Guardians of the Galaxy uh, volume 2 you know Guardians of the Galaxy took the comic book world by storm you had these nobody no name characters nobody knew what to think of them you had this odd quirky director James Gunn you had this very strange cast, uh, you know, Bradley Cooper, Chris Pratt. You've got, you know, Zoe Saldana. You've got Vin Diesel, you know, Groot, Michael Rooker, uh, Glenn Close, Lee Pace, you know, in this first movie. Nobody knew what to make of this thing, but it came out with a storm. And it, it took the, the movie world and, you know, it was so great. The music that, that it introduced was really, really uh, you know, driving force to the movie. And, and, and of course, if you can't tell, you know, that's a big fan of mine with this. This, I feel, suffers from the Pirates of the Caribbean curse. I think this was a sequel that was made a little bit too soon, just based on the popularity of the first one. I love the first one. I love the second one. Not quite as much as the first one. Um, I think it's a little long. I think it gets a little lost in its own story. Um they kind of upped the language and lewd humor in there. Um, the music choices were not as 
cool as the first one, with the exception of the chain by Fleetwood Mac. <laughs> but uh, I, I'm going to go with a solid B for this one. Um, it's not perfect. It's good. Uh, it gets a little lost. It's a little little too long, but I'll, I'll, I enjoy it. I like it. But it's, it's a B. Right. Well, Dwayne shaved his hipster goatee, but uh, it can't be aesthetic. <laughs> I, I feel almost diametrically opposed to you. I think this movie is superior to the first one in almost every way. Okay, I like the first one a lot, but I love this one. Um, this is one of my favorite Marvel movies. It's probably the first Avengers, Winter Soldier, and this one, and whichever one I saw last is my favorite. I, I love it. Um, but there, there's sometimes you just want to be entertained. Um, there are a few movies, that, maybe it's just me apparently, but there are a few movies as just purely entertaining as this one. Um, I just turn it on and I start smiling. But it's got, I feel like it's got more heart to it than the first one did. Um, and there's a message to this one. Might be a little hard to buy for some viewers. Um, but uh, there's an attempt at it. It's a beautiful look at. The story is expertly executed. Uh, I, Dwayne, we're going to have to talk, bro. <laughs> uh, just looking at this thing as a, as a work of, of writing, it's, it's kind of, I mean, to my eyes, it's mind-blowing um, what, what Gunn managed to accomplish here. Uh, and every single person is funny. Um, even Drax is even funnier in this one. Um, I'm going all the way up to an A plus. <laughs> okay. okay. All right. Okay. Uh, so as far as myself, you know, historically for me, you know, Guardians of the Galaxy was not really a top franchise, right? Uh, but I think that James Gunn really made them just as important as the Avengers. And I think what sets them apart and what makes this movie especially is, you know, these characters feel real. These are people you want to hang out with. You know, they have a good time. Uh, their bickering, their banter is great. Um, I think with this movie specifically, it's a little high concept. I, I, I have to go with Jamie and the writing. There, there's definitely, a, it's a high concept story. And, and, and I know, Dwayne doesn't see that, but uh, but there's there's so much that's going on in this with this theme of family and the idea of of family isn't what you're born into. Sometimes it's the people you choose that becomes family, and I think that's that that's such a theme throughout this movie. Uh, and and I don't know about anybody else, but this just makes me feel so excited for the sequel to Suicide Squad because if James Gunn can do this. It, with two movies with the Guardians, I know he can turn around the Suicide Squad. So uh, as far as my grade, i got to get a DC nod in there somewhere, guys. Come on. Uh, as far as my grade, I'm going solid A. I'm not A+, plus, but I'm going solid All A. All right. Dwayne's got a swerve. I see how it is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, just, I just expect a little more from my Marvel. And like I said, I think this is a, a, a sequel that happened a little too soon. And uh, we can, we'll get into that, I think, in, in the pan section. I think I've got some thoughts on that. So speaking of our fan pan section, are you guys ready to show some love to this thing? Let's do it. 
Graphically Novel. Three brothers tackle a different graphic novel each week. Listen as the brothers Fugit discuss classic and not-so-classic graphic novels. Subscribe now on your podcast feed of choice. Graphically Novel. Three brothers who like each other but love comics. Alright, uh, I get the privilege of going first, and apparently it's a good thing. <laughs> I'm going first. Um, I, I've got all the time in the world to fan on, on this movie. Um, I, I'm baffled by your B, dude. <laughs> so, we'll get into it. Uh, but my, so my, my fan to this movie is, how, is the uniqueness of this movie uh, and this mini franchise inside the MCU. Um, if you remember back, when, this, when, they, when they announced they were making Guardians of the Galaxy, nobody knew what that was. Everybody had, everybody knew, we knew what Iron Man was by that point. We knew Captain America was. We knew the Hulk. We knew most. We knew Thor. We knew these characters. Nobody knew who Guardians of the Galaxy was except me. I'm that one person that thought <laughs> in, the, in the 90s that Guardians <laughs> was a cool comic book. I'm the one person that Sammy didn't think apparently existed. Um, but, but the MCU has like a consistent vibe. Like, you feel like you're in an MCU movie most of the time. Guardians is its own thing. It's a, it's a different feel. Um, the look is still pretty consistent. I mean, it doesn't, like, it doesn't jar you when they show up in Infinity War. Um, you know, it still feels like, you know, it's a Marvel world in that term. But, but Guardians is just different for the rest of the MCU. The casting is different. Like, outside of Zoe Saldana, I can't really picture anybody else in this movie being in a different MCU movie, you know? Um, <laughs> The musical style feels different, um, but mostly it's the humor. The MCU has its own brand of humor. Guardians is, is its own thing. Um, there's a delightful low brownness <laughs> to the Guardians movies <laughs> that, that doesn't, you know, that doesn't get into the rest. I mean, I can't imagine any other MCU movie having a line about famously large turds. <laughs> That's not getting in anywhere but a Guardians movie, you know? Um, and I love that they went obscure. Um, everybody, we knew the rest of these folks. The Guardians were, there. I mean, I was a little baffled they made it. I was a Guardians fan, and I was baffled <laughs> they made this, these movies. I'm still looking for Major Victory. Uh, he hasn't made uh, his appearance yet. Uh, there's a lot of the old school Guardians in this movie, though. Hiding in the corners and stuff, but they're there. Mm-hmm. It's just... It's just so different. And I love that they let this happen, let it stand out the way it does. And it's carved out its own little niche. And I just, I, I love that they sort of walk into the beat of their own drum. And so my, my fan is the uniqueness of the Guardians. Cool. Oh. Sorry, I, flatter, I flattered a bit there, guys. Sorry, but uh, same here, Nick. <laughs> All right. Um, you know, when it comes to the Guardians, you know, I'd come from an old school comic nerd fandom right so jamie you know you you were squarely in in the 90s you know i came into comics you know early 80s mid 80s right and so as soon as i heard that ego the living planet was going to be in this movie i got worried i got (laughs) so worried because i saw the way they treated galactus in rise of the silver surfer Okay, Mm -hmm. and I was never so disappointed with that. But what this movie did for this old school comic nerd is they gave me a comic accurate ego. If just briefly you saw the planet with the face Mm -hmm. and I 
<laughs> loved it from the moment I saw it at the theater to every time I watch it on Blu-ray. I just love the fact that they made ego work in this movie. Okay. Um, and, and, you know, whoever came up with the idea, you know, whether it be Foggy or Gunn or whoever, to, to give him almost like this representational construct in the, in the form of Kurt Russell, that's even better. You know, I mean, so I get the living planet, plus I get Kurt Russell. So I'm good with it. And that's probably my biggest fan of this movie. You mean There's the little one-inch man? Yes, the little <laughs> one-inch man. It's a little one-inch man. How big was it? little one-inch man. <laughs> that's how vision works. <laughs> there's tons of good stuff in here oh, but... this this is a really this is a fun movie i'm not saying it's not a fun movie it's just not quite what you know but now i am last up on with the fan i do have some fans for this movie you know of course i've already talked about a couple of them was you know about the music and different things um <clears throat> this is an absolutely beautiful movie from the moment it starts and they're preparing for the assault from the intradimensional being and they're trying to get the radio working and then this thing comes down and attacks and the fight starts well and then baby group plugs it in and then you have this million dollar battle happening in the back in the background a million dollar battle which would be the focal point of any other movie but they're following this little bitty tree dancing <laughs> and fighting with the space rats, you know? <laughs> um, I mean, it's just so absurd. And you know, that's, that's the greatest thing with, with Guardians. You know, it's just so absurd. You know, just like Jamie said, where, where would a, a line about enormous turds fit? <laughs> you know, where else could you have a planet embodied in a character named Ego you know, visualized as, as by Kurt Russell on screen. You know, it's just, it's just they, they just want to fit. It's and it's so beautiful the way they filmed. It. I mean, from beginning to end, this is stunning to look at. The effects, they all work. I don't recall a moment in this movie of like, oh, that effect didn't work. You know, even some of the craziness. You know, the the, the crystal guy. You know, who's following Sylvester Stallone around. You know, uh, the cameos in this movie. You know, with, with Sylvester Stallone's characters. I mean, you know, Margaret Cho and the different ones. I mean, it's being right. They're great. You know, I, I do love it. You know, and then and then we have, you know, the unexpected turn with Yondu. You know, that characterization there. You know, meant a lot, and, and it did have a lot of weight. It did have a lot of weight there. So. I do have some. I do like the movie. I'm not. I'm not laughing at you. All those people you were naming. I know who those people were. They're all the original Guardians of the Galaxy. Yes, they are. Yeah, yeah they're all the originals. Yeah. yeah. And <laughs> so is it Arlie Twenty Seven, Martin X. Yep. Uh, Alita. Uh, Sakaar uh-huh. was Starhawk. Starhawk. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they even had his little things on his shoulder. And, you know, and and even in the first, even in the first Guardians of the Galaxy, you know, when they went into the collector's room, you know, you had Howard the Duck and Cosmo the Space Dog. Yeah. You know, was in, in the in old Guardians comic. You know, he was the leader yeah. for the time. You know. So you yeah. there's, there's it's thick throughout. I mean, they really yeah. they really have a lot of cred and they really show a lot. Of, of history going into this. I mean, and, and it's just chocked full. Every scene is chocked full with something. Mm-hmm. But you're right. It is a beautifully shot movie. And uh, I, I mean, 
Marvel effects have, I mean, they don't look better than this. And there's not, there's probably, there's things that look this good, but nothing looks better than this movie. It, oh, it's yeah. just, it's, it's a, it's a feast for the eyes. Yeah. Yep. But I mean, but that's that opening scene. I mean, it so sets the tone for the movie. It really does. When you have this massive battle and it's just raging in the background. <laughs> this little thing's dancing as the credits are rolling, you know? Yeah. You know, and James Gunn's got some moves, that dude, because that that was that was him in the motion capture suit as Baby Groot. As baby Groot yeah, he danced as Baby Groot. That was yeah. James Gunn. Uh, I, think, so. I, think him, uh, I think him and Sean took him and Sean Gunn, who plays Craglin, just took turns in that. <laughs> yeah. Oh. All right. Well, we've gushed. Uh, I think it's time to break out Dwayne's pants. All right, Sammy, you get the uh, privilege going first. Hmm. Okay. All right. So I really had to get nitpicky here, okay, in terms <laughs> of pans, okay, for me, right? So my the biggest thing every time I watch this movie from the first time till every 10, 20 times I've watched it since, uh, the one thing that I dislike completely are the portable spaces, Mm. Everything in this movie is, you all talked about, is so detailed, so lavish. You know, we get these disc-based spacesuits for emergencies or just for fun. Uh, but when they put them on, it looks like bubble wrap. All right? It looks like shiny bubble wrap. <laughs> and maybe that's the joke. Maybe there's something that, that that's an in-joke there. But I just don't think it matches the rest of the movie. Uh, when they pop that on and it just kind of creates that bubble around them, I just want to pop them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so like I said, I know it's nitpicky, but yeah, that would definitely be my biggest pan hmm. in this movie. Okay. No, never bubble, wraps, bubble wrap spacesuits. So. <laughs> Mark, what do you tell them it was not enough, right? <laughs> <laughs> Gotta be careful with this stuff. Yeah, that's right. All right, Dwayne, uh, just one, okay? Yeah, just one. Well, um, <laughs> I'll probably, probably about one and a half. Uh, but, uh, as as I was doing my notes for this, I was sitting at the I was sitting at the table. I was writing my notes out, and uh, my daughter comes over and she says, uh, "Oh, you're recording tonight?" I said, "Yes, I'm finishing up my notes here. I've I've got them kind of done. I'm just kind of polishing up and and moving some things around." And she said, "Oh, Guardians of the Galaxy." She said, "You have it a B." I said, yeah. She said, oh, oh, yeah, it's volume two. Okay, yeah, B's good. <laughs> and I was like, so there you go, Jamie. But anyway, she she agreed with me. It's it's a bit, you know, I, I spoke to it about being a bit long. I, I really, you know, there's just some things. I know there's a lot of story that they tell here. There's a lot of story when, you know, when they're divided up. Uh, you know, some some stay on the one planet, uh Bearheart, and then others go to Ego's planet. Um, you know, you've got two separate stories, and you have the mutiny with Yondu. You have the subplots there, um, and there's a lot of story to tell, but it just kind of drug a little bit to me. And you know, this being stuck right in the middle of the build to Infinity War didn't really get us any closer to the Infinity Stones. I felt it introduced the Celestials. And we got another celestial, you know, in uh, Jeff Goldblum's character in Thor Ragnarok. He's a celestial also. 
um, as the, uh, the 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 game master, and then we find out that the collector is a celestial. Am I correct on that, Sammy? Was the I'm collector? Not sure how... The collector yeah. is celestial, also, I think. How are they wording? I can't remember how they were wording those in yeah, I... this. Yeah, I because think because I know it, in comics it's a little different. But. Yeah, yeah, I think I think in the in the MCU he's he's going to be as a celestial. You know, we were introduced to celestials, you know, but they really have no bearing on the Infinity story line here. Mm-hmm. So it's just kind of to me, you know, I know the first movie they were going after the Power Stone, which was great. This one we get introduced to celestials, you know, but really they don't do anything with them. Uh, in the Infinity War story. Hopefully we'll go on to that as Marvel goes, I think, a little bit more into the celestial realm uh, uh, in the near future. So, you know, we'll see a little bit more of that, hopefully. Now, they were the the Elders, right? The Elders. That's what they're called in the comic books, right? Elders of the Universe or something like that. Yeah, the Celestials were something else. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're, play, they're playing with some of that stuff, though. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. know they're kind of melding the two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. a little bit there. Seems like they're kind of melding that. Okay, okay. But yeah, that's that's really mine. You know, it, it's, it kind of really doesn't have a bearing to the story. Yeah. I, I don't mind that, though. I mean, that's... I mean, I think that, I also think that's what they kind of owed James Gunn after the first one. They, like, he wanted to tell sort of a standalone story and they meddled a whole bunch and made him set up a whole, right. bunch, <laughs> a whole bunch of stuff. So I feel like they did him a solid for this and let him do his own thing. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um... My my pain is pretty small. Um, uh, the Yondu redemption story, it's a little bit of a tough sell. Uh, <laughs> Yondu's pretty despicable in the first movie. Um, if I, I get on board by the end, largely because of my absurd fondness for Michael Rooker. Um, <laughs> I don't know why. I've always loved the guy. Um, but... It's, it is a tough sell because he is such a just loathsome person to begin with. And he has a few moments here and there in this movie, like when he bonds with some of the other characters, where it kind of softens up a little bit. But then suddenly, like, we're supposed to believe that he's Peter's daddy and <laughs> that there was this great love he had for him. Like, I mean, they I, look exactly I, alike. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. Like, you know, I think I might have believed you just as much when you're threatening to eat him. I mean... <laughs> <laughs> It's just, it's a little bit of a tough sell. I get why they did it, and it works for the story, but, like, when you pair the two movies together and compare the Yondus, it's a little bit of a tough sell. That's the biggest pain I've got. Yeah. You know, I I, I think the only other thing I think I could pan is I need more Howard the Duck, but, you know. (laughs) Well, well, I've got another real one that I'm just embarrassed to say out loud because I hate that it's true. Um, Kurt Russell is sleepwalking through this movie. (laughs) <laughs> I mean, I, I love the man, and he just gets by on, on Kurt Russell charm, but this is not a standout performance for Kurt Russell. I mean, he's just showing up and saying lines as his charming self. I mean, there's not a lot going on there. Yeah, he is he is being his most Kurt Russell. Yeah, but there's not much else. <laughs> right. yeah. 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 But sometimes that's enough. Well, that's why it wasn't my official pain. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. All right, let's uh, give us some awards, guys. Let's do it. So here we go. I, just, I feel I feel 
bad criticizing Kurt Russell. I don't like doing it. <laughs> <laughs> Can't talk bad about Jack Burton. It just doesn't feel right. right. Um, <laughs> uh, so we know who I'm not going to say is the best performance. But Dwayne, right. who, do you, who do you think is the best performance in Guardians uh, 2? Well, I think uh, you already spoken to this character, and I think uh, his performance is what does sell it at the end. I think his uh, his struggle to have Sakar uh, face him, his struggle with the crew uh, turning on him, and you know, and his redemption as he tries to go and rescue Peter and the other Guardians who went to Ego's planet. But I loved Michael Rooker's portrayal of Yondu. I love Michael Rooker as an actor, and you put him in something. I'm gonna, I'm gonna probably sit down and watch it. He's just a great actor. He's just a completely colorful character. Uh, but you know, when you paint him blue and put a big red fin on his head, <laughs> I love it that much more. So uh, my my favorite performance is going to go to Michael Rooker's uh, Yondu. You know, and just like you said, Jamie, you know that turn, you do end up buying it at the end. He was very despicable in the first movie. You know, uh, he he kind of, and you see him, you know, when he's when he's at the, uh, I guess you know the, uh, the the house of ill repute on with the robots on that planet. You know, and you see his his anguish as he's looking out the window, like you know, is this all my life has become? You know, and, and that's that's the beginning of his that's the beginning of his turn for me. I really liked Michael Rooker's performance. Um, he's one of those actors that doesn't have any range at all. He's just Michael Michael Rooker saying lines. Yep. yep. Uh, <laughs> like he's still he's still the guy who was in you know Days of Thunder but painted blue. I mean, he's just the same guy all the time. Replacement killers painted blue. Yeah. You just like Walking it. Dead I mean, painted blue. Yeah, you just like it. Um, yeah, I love it. I love it. And you're right. This is. I think this is probably his best performance um, in the in the whole career. Uh, but I want to highlight somebody else. I'm going to go with Zoe Saldana. I feel like she had a lot of heavy lifting to do, and I wanted to highlight especially one thing. Um, I feel like she's about a thousand percent better in this movie than in the first one. Um, mm-hmm. I, I think I think it took her some time to get comfortable with the role. Because mm-hmm. um, I like her a lot more in this movie, and the and her interactions with Peter feel more real, more nuanced, and all of the stuff with Nebula is when she realizes that you know Nebula doesn't hate her because she's terrible or whatever. She hates her because she wanted her to love her. She wanted a sister, and just and the way she sells that relationship, I think, was a really good performance. So I'm going with Zoe Saldana. Okay. Yeah, nice. Well. I'm going the other side of that coin, Jamie. I'm going Karen Gillan as Nebula. So see, I'm going the other. Uh, I think this is probably the best use of Nebula we get in any appearance. Yeah. Uh, the I agree the with Infinity that. movies, the first Guardians, because she's not just this force of destruction. We get to understand why she is tormented. Um, and when just the scene in the cave when Zoe Saldana and, and her having that, they basically hashing out their viewpoints about their childhood, that, that level of body horror that she had to go through when she says Thanos pulled my eye from my head, he removed my brain, you know, he tore my arm off. I mean, no wonder she is tormented the way she is. And, and I think that Karen Gillan gave such a great performance 
in this to show that trauma. Um, so yeah, I've definitely got to go with Karen Gillan's Nebula here. <laughs> I'm I'm so shocked. Amy picked Amy Pond. <laughs> yeah, well, I've already mentioned David Tennant, Catherine Tate, and now I mentioned Karen Gillan. So I've got to do the Doctor Who trifecta. <laughs> well, I, I, I didn't think we picked the three the three best options. I think any one of those three answers was going to be the right answer. Yeah. yeah, there's so many good performances in this movie that that it's kind of tough to nail one. I wouldn't out. even been mad at a Dave Bautista pe- uh, pick. <laughs> <laughs> Not there's no nuance in that performance, but uh, memorable. Um, so our next award is best scene, and I get to go first, and it's just it makes me laugh so hard. It's the scene where Yondu and Rocket are trapped in the little cell. <laughs> And they're trying to get Baby Group <laughs> to go get the prototype Finn. <laughs> and the point when he brings back that giant desk just breaks me. And I just laugh so hard. Uh, yeah. So that, that, that was my best scene. I love it. Group bringing back everything but the Finn. <laughs> yeah, that's absolutely hilarious. That is hilarious. Well, I have a. Uh, I have two that I can't really decide uh, between as far as best scene here, but uh, mine is going to kind of follow right up. I believe I'm going to stick with this one. Mine follows right up with uh, what happens after Yondu gets the prototype Finn. When he's whistling the arrow around the ship and just tearing everybody to shreds. And they go into the inner ship and they, and they, you know, begin to detach it and things. And, and he's just, you know, I love the way he controls the arrow and the portrayal of the arrow and how he's just showing it going all around. And you have the music played in the background, just sucks the juxtaposition with that. And just how cool Yondu is right there. You know, just the yep. strut. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good one. It is. That's great. You know, I, I think with this movie, it, it's almost like you've got to pick a best scene that is hilariously funny or action packed. Mm-hmm. Because those those are the the way the, I think both of the Guardians movies work, um, and I had to go funny also. Okay, so I'm going to go funny uh, at the the beginning of the movie when they are in um, the High Priestess's throne room, Aisha's throne room, right? And Star Lord is pulling a James T. Kirk. All right, <laughs> he is so pulling a Captain Kirk there. <laughs> With all the innuendo, um, I really think that's what James Gunn was going through, going for there. Uh, it's okay, you know, Chris, we're going to go Captain Kirk. So, you know, I didn't know if I, I was looking at Chris Pratt or Chris Pine in, in that case. You know, I wasn't for sure, but we had the full James T. Kirk going on there with that high priestess. Um, you know, and I love the fact that it's these two starship captains who, who have similar kind of vibe to them. And so that's probably going to be my best scene. It made me laugh pretty hard. It's a good one too. Yeah. <laughs> another award. There's a lot of good options. Yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I want to mention the rocket hunting scene. So we've got two funny scenes and we'll have two action scenes, but when rocket goes hunting, on that the was planet, my backup. Is yeah, that was my backup. Yeah, that's that was my backup too. So that's a great one too. So just just to mention it here, just to mention it. Here, um, I get to lead oh, off. They're bouncing on the ground. Oh yeah. 
Yeah. That, that was good. <laughs> oh. Love that. Well, uh, I get to lead off on the next award here, which is best quote. And guys, oh no, wait a minute. Character, I'm on, no. Okay, I've got my notes crossed up here. Where yeah, best character is me. <laughs> okay. It's fine. I've got my notes crossed up. Sammy, what do you got for Miss Character? You're up next. All right. Uh, I think, honestly, with with this movie, you know, we, we, we kind of talked about in Best Performance those, those that trifecta, those three characters. So I think my best character, I've got to go with another one of those. And I think the best character for me in this is Yondu. Um, you know, it's such a powerful story. Yeah, it's it's a quick turn, and it, it is a little tough to, to believe that going from – I'm, I'm going to eat you to, you know, <laughs> I may not be your father, but I'm your daddy kind of feel. Um, but I think he ha- has at least a little bit of a true character arc. Yeah. You know, we get the idea of why he kept Peter, um, you know, basically what went on. And he just he couldn't tell, I guess, Stakar why. You know, because I don't know if he was saving face, if it was, you know, I've still got to look big and bad. But he couldn't really come out and say, no, I kept this because I knew what Ego was doing with these kids. You know, and and I still think that he probably also kept him because he was small and could get into tight spaces. Because <laughs> I just don't think Yondu's completely genuine there. But but I think it makes for an interesting character piece with him. He's not just the hard case character that we get in the first movie. We do get a little bit of character growth. So I would have to go with Yondu and Danta. <laughs> Will Sam, as much love as I've showered on Yondu uh, on this one, uh, I'm going to go a different route uh, with the best character. And uh, I'm going to do the Academy Award plus the Mandalorian rules here. I'm going with Baby Groot. Uh, you know he was he was the he was you know the baby yoda before baby yoda was you know he was he was the cute little thing bouncing around and when he's like you know what button do i press now when he's in the middle of planet you know going to blow everything up you know which is it this one or this one i am root no not that one (laughs) this one i am grouped no not that one this one I am group. Can somebody get some tape? You know, <laughs> you know it, who's got tape? You know, and you see him. You know, he's just sitting in the chair at different points. You know, eating popcorn, watching the show happen <laughs> and during the space battle, and then you know he gets sick after all the jumps, and he even throws up cutely. Yeah, he yes. even throws up cute. So he's just oh. you know, and the dance at the beginning, and then when he has, you know, when he's able to exact his revenge on the Ravengers for you know building the booze on him and making him a little Ravenger suit. Uh, you know, he's just super cute. I love it. I love baby Groot, you know, and just and we, the dynamic acting, you know, I am Groot. <laughs> <laughs> and when he crawls up on Drax's shoulder to go to sleep, yeah. sweet, very sweet. So. All right, well, we're all over the map on this one. There's so many, so many good characters. You can just throw a dart and just whoever you yeah. hit is, is a good answer. Um, I'm going with Rocket. Um, I I love him, but he's you get all of the crazy rocket from the first movie in this one, and you get some subtle and some character work in this movie. Mm-hmm. So um, we see him struggling to be, you know, to accept that people like him. I mean, to having a family, he's trying to push people away. Um, he's got a really compelling storyline. We learn a little bit more 
about the background or, or at least how he feels about it. Um, and he's got some really like fun moments um, with the other characters, but he's also got those quiet moments, mostly with Yondu. Um, and it just, I feel, I feel like it, made, it really made him stand out in this one. So I'm going with Rocket. And the trash Peter band. calls him a trash panda. <laughs> <laughs> he gets called so many things in this movie. It's great. I mean, Thor calls him a rabbit. So, I mean. <laughs> and I love that they stuck with that when he was on Asgard. Yeah. In, in, in <laughs> they all, told me. all of the Asgardians were, get the rabbit. <laughs> Asgard got some interesting looking rabbits, I guess. So. <laughs> Right, now you get to go first, Dwayne. Yeah, uh, best, best quote. quote. <laughs> All right, best quote. And this quote has stuck with me from the first time I watched the movie till this most recent time I watched the movie. Um, I laugh every single time it's said. I love it. But it's, uh, you know, after Yondu's redemption, he's rescuing Peter from the inside of the planet. He's got the arrow. He's flying up. He's carrying Peter out. And Peter starts laughing, and he says, what is it? He says, you look like Mary Poppins. <laughs> he says, is he cool? <laughs> Peter says, hell yeah. <laughs> you know, you look oh, like Mary Poppins. Is he cool? No, yeah. uh, let me piggyback. My, my best line is the next line, where he yeah. looks at the crowd and goes, I'm Mary Poppins, y'all. <laughs> <laughs> Those are my favorite. Those are my favorite. I use those so many times and so out of place. <laughs> and the thing is, besides Peter, no one else will know who Mary Poppins <laughs> is. <laughs> so in the do... context of the movie. <laughs> All right, Sam, you want to All right. Uh, you know, we we've alluded to Drax being played for comic relief. But I think at times in this movie, Drax is so insightful. And so for my best quote, I'm going with an insightful Drax quote. When you're ugly and someone loves you, (laughs) you know they love you for who you are. Beautiful people never know who to trust. <laughs> that is great. <laughs> yeah. That validated me right there. Like, she loves me. She loves me for me. <laughs> oh, well, speaking of Drax, Sam, um, our next award, our, our episode specific uh, award here is our best Drax being Drax moment. And Drax being such a character, <laughs> his species takes everything literal. They don't understand metaphor. <laughs> so, Jamie, you get to go first. All right. There are so many options. <laughs> I've got two, so please pick one of mine. I, yeah, <laughs> I, I don't. I doubt I am. I don't. I'm not picking one of the crazy like, like Drax at his like you know dialed up to eleven. Um, but there's this little moment at the end, um, kind of a quiet moment, where he's talking with Mantis, and <laughs> he tells her that she's beautiful. And then he pauses for a second and adds, on the inside. Inside. <laughs> <laughs> and I just, I love that he can't let that go. It's just the whole movie that she's hideous. 
<laughs> he throws up when he thinks about them being together. And just at the end, tells her she's beautiful. But he can't let her see it. He, ha- <laughs> he has to add the inside. On the inside. <laughs> Oh, goodness. Sam, please go. Please pick one of my other ones. <laughs> okay. Um, I've, I've got to kind of go with, and my, my Drax being Drax kind of goes back to another Drax quote that starts out insightful and then goes off the rails. <laughs> it goes totally to the Drax, you know, weirdness. When Drax tells Peter that there are two types of beings in the of universe, <laughs> those who dance, and those who do not. Once again, insightful. Then he goes on to explain how he met his wife. You would almost assume she was dead. Exactly. And when he, when he says that, and Peter's just like, oh, I bet you like that. He's like, yes, my nether regions. You know? And I just. You know, that is just completely and totally Drax being Drax. So, uh, yeah, we go to insightful to just creepy as can be. So, <laughs> All right. Well, you've both let me down. You've both let me down. There's too many options. Sorry, there's Mark. too what many options with Drax just being crazy. Um, but I, there's, there's one thing. I love invisible Drax. <laughs> if I stand still long enough. I'm invisible. <laughs> I, I mean, I just, just how insane is this person? You know, just what does, you know, and, and you know, he has this huge, massive ego. Drax the Destroyer. Yeah. You know, he's, he's got this thing and he dives into this being's mouth at the beginning of the movie to, to destroy <laughs> it from the inside. You know, all by I his, have single-handedly vanquished the beast. You know, so he's just, and so he's just so full of himself. If I stand still long enough, I'm invisible. <laughs> that cracked me up so hard. And I've just got two words for you guys before we move on. Harbulary batteries. Yes. <laughs> I thought you somebody... batteries. Harbulary batteries. <laughs> That's Don't what I said. Don't anything alike. I thought somebody was going to mention why he didn't want to wear the jetpacks. Oh, I thought about <laughs> it. I I'll thought leave about that it. Way. I'll just leave that with Lenny. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right. Well, our last award is best surprisingly moving moving scene. Uh, Sammy, you get to go first. All right. Um, I think the one that that I found really moving was the Ravager funeral. Um, you know, we get this ultimate sacrifice from Yondu, you know, we get the setup with Sakaar at the beginning telling him that, you know, the, the colors will not fly for him and he won't be basically get a ravager funeral. And, and it's, I think it's Craglin that, that makes it so, I guess, moving for me. It's not just, you know, Star-Lord gets it, Peter's standing there, you know, Rocket knows what it is, but it's Kraglin's response that I think really hits home and and makes it so meaningful because he's like happy and he's crying and and his captain has achieved what he really wanted in life was to be accepted back with these people that he he truly kind of cared about. Um, but through circumstances had been kind of shunned. 
So to me, that was a moving thing. Uh, Dwayne, will you bail me out? I've got two. I'll try. <laughs> go ahead. Pick one of them. Oh, oh, okay. I'll I'll go ahead and go now. Um, yeah. Well, my uh, unexpected heartwarming moment. It's so cheesy. Mine is so cheesy in here, and but it really does, uh, you know, grab me when I see it because, you know, having boys and even a daughter who is who is a little bit into, you know, well, totally into sports, but you know, it's it's when Ego is and his dad is playing ball with a lot ball. You know, they're, they're having their moments, and, and you know, and even though we're finding out that Ego is this completely despicable person, but, you know, Peter is able to create the lot, and they're tossing it back and forth. You know, they're just playing a game of catch, uh, father and son. So that's my unexpected heartwarming mo- moment. Mm-hmm. So did I fail you, Jamie? Yeah, we failed each other this episode. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, I'll go with probably the... All right, I didn't want to go this because I didn't want to admit that I cried. Um, <laughs> when when they fly into space, it's after he's realized he's Mary Poppins, and they're flying into space, and he, he says the line, I know it's cheesy, you know, ego may have been your father, but I was your daddy. Um, all that, and as as he freezes in space, uh, the room got dusty. I'm not going to lie. And I did not expect to ever have the room get dusty in a Guardians of the Galaxy. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's something you don't expect in this, and especially you know Yondu's sacrifice after that. You know, and I've already shed you know shed enough love on Yondu. I, I tried to go a little bit of a different way there, but yeah, that was a very touching moment. And I didn't, see you that. know, I, I I think the one that nobody mentioned though was Howard the Duck saying, <laughs> "You're out of luck until you've gone duck." <laughs> that was just heartwarming <laughs> for me. So. <laughs> Oh, goodness gracious. <laughs> well, you know, speaking of uh, Howard the Duck, you know, uh, he's, he's uh, you know, had his own movie franchise happen on. You know, there's, there's another character who's been very heartwarming in some romantic roles. Uh, A Walk in the Clouds. You know, Bill and Ted. You know, his relationship with, with Ted there is, is beautiful. Um, but Keanu Reeves our beloved Keanu. He is not a guardian of the galaxy, but where does the line draw? Where does the chain take us to our Keanu? Okay. Um, I really wanted it to be Michael Rooker. Um, I went through his entire <laughs> filmography, I think three times, hoping to and find it. It would have been the right answer. Yeah. And it wasn't, though. Uh, I got nothing. So then I really wanted it to be Hasselhoff. I tried every way I could to make it be Hasselhoff. Yep. I, I got creative. Couldn't make it be Hasselhoff. Uh, so I gave it and went through the rest of the cast. I went through everybody in the cast. Uh, I'm talking the ladies at the, at the you know, House of Ill Repute in Green Paint. I went through those people. Nobody has been on a set with Keanu in this entire movie. Well... Not even the gold people at the beginning. Not it. I went through all of those, man. I mean, even <laughs> Ben Browder, I tried to get a guy from Farscape. I mean, I tried everything. Um, <laughs> so, do you remember when James Gunn got fired from Guardians 3? And yeah. uh, they all threatened to not come back? Well, there's a reason. They all love him and only work with him, apparently. These, these people <laughs> don't work with anybody else. <laughs> um, okay, that's admirable loyalty, but it complicates 
the Keanu, the Keanu connection. Yeah, no doubt. Okay, so I went down the crew. Uh, there are 13 credited writers on this thing. Then they were Keanu either. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, <laughs> Catering, maybe? No. Uh, okay, so I went pretty far down the list. I got to the people that worked on the soundtrack. <laughs> the guy who was in charge of putting together the soundtrack for Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2 is a man named Tyler Bates. Tyler Bates has also worked on the soundtrack for every John Wick movie. <laughs> Those all starred Keanu. I'm not proud of it, but there's the Keanu connection. <laughs> and that was our very tenuous Keanu connection. <gasps> all right. That it, was it counts. It ain't a good one, but it counts. It counts. <laughs> oh. oh, mercy. That's beautiful. That's I beautiful. went through the people in the cast that didn't even have pictures on their IMDb page. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing. Oh, we went, oh. You went through the extras list. I tried. Wow. Well, that's, that's well, some dedication there, Jamie. That is some dedication. Well, here's a little bit behind the scenes information. We did our draft uh, today for the rest of the year. Um, this Keanu connection took so long was so frustrating I was tempted to pick all Keanu Reeves movies so I wouldn't have to do Keanu Reeves Keanu <laughs> connections I could just say Keanu was in this thing Keanu was here Keanu was here oh that's great uh, well our next question now that we're done uh, gushing about Guardians or at least laughing really hard um, next week is going to be a news episode and we've made this a little more sporadic <laughs> during the time of the Rona um, but we've got quite a bit of stuff now, and we're going to you know, touch on maybe some theories about when things are going to be coming out, um, some hard dates about some things <laughs> been moved again, <laughs> whether we think they're going to get moved again, uh, even beyond those dates. Um, we also wanted to prepare you. In two weeks, we're going to be doing Stranger Things 3, and so that's a little bit more of a time commitment. If you actually watch the things and keep up with us, uh, we want to give you a little bit more heads up because it is going to take longer uh, to print for that episode. So Stranger Things 3 is coming up soon, but news next week. So until our next episode, as we prepare for the news and we prepare to go back to Hawkins, Indiana and face the Mind Flayer. Jamie, how are we going to do this? We're going to float from the sky and keep it nerdy because I'm Mary Poppins, y'all. 